0: All right. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, I'm excited about this one, like I am about many of our topics, if not most, Me too. If not all. Me too. So <laughs> let's start with the hymnal, okay? Okay. We're gonna, let's talk with, um, uh, they're making a new hymnal. What do, you, what do you know about that? I would really like to know more what's going on over there. But so they're probably picking hymns to add, right? They're gonna combine. They are. The child siminal with uh, the adult siminal. Oh, is that true? That's what I heard.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. I'm skeptical of that,
0: I'll be honest. I <laughs> really hope that they keep um, Oh My Father. and Another if, Eliza Snow song? Okay, great. And If You Could Hide a Cola. Those are my two favorite, truly Mormon.
1: Would you be upset games. if they rewrote Hyde Kolob to take away "There is no end of race"? I would
0: not be upset if they took a theme, <laughs>
1: if they changed
0: that line. I mean, I recognize where that line came from. Historically, the line makes more sense than it makes today. Yeah, it is a bit awkward to sing that particular line nowadays. Um, but the rest of the song, I've always loved. Right? I just really think it's really interesting and it's fun to think about. Um, but, Oh, My Father is one of my favorite songs of all time. That's a great one. And uh, we're going to quote it here at the beginning of the podcast. Um, so, in, so, specifically, we're going to quote, like, the, what is this, the second and third verses, I guess? Uh, it's not the first verse. Let's just say that. Yeah, the first verse is, Oh, My Father. I assume you'll link to it. Yeah. And then in the second verse, it says, In this heaven are parents single. No, the thought makes reason stare. Truth is reason, truth eternal, tells me I've a mother there. When I leave this frail existence, when I lay this mortal by, father, mother, may I meet you in your royal courts on high. I'm not a poetry (laughs) reader. Maybe I should have left that to the experts. (laughs) No, it's great. No, no, I thought you did a fine job. Um, So, let's talk about Heavenly Mother a bit. Hello, listener. We lost part of the podcast right there, so we're going to skip forward a bit. At this point, our hosts have talked about Heavenly Mother some. We've cited a article from LDS.org called Mother in Heaven. It's the Gospel Topics section. In that article, a uh, BYU Studies article is also cited, so let's pick up here. Okay, what's BYU Studies?
1: BYU Studies is a um, scholarly journal published by BYU. Um, I'm pretty certain it's peer-reviewed. It's uh, It covers a lot of different ground, but as you might imagine, um, an article about uh, the historical record of teachings and talkings about Heavenly Mother is very much in their wheelhouse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I, I would compare it to, I think its closest comparison is probably dialogue, uh, but because it has a direct connection to the church, it's um, probably a little safer than dialogue. But, uh, dialogue? dialog journal of mormon studies Got it. um the other article i hope we'll talk about is was published in dialog and but it's a, it's a solid it's a solid journal and
0: um, it publishes good stuff okay so the article is a mother there a survey of historical teachings about mother in heaven right yes and um, written by david l paulson and martin pulido yes and it is it's an awesome article it's about 20 pages long and it goes through well, maybe let me just let them introduce it. So, since eighteen forties, this cherished doctrine about a heavenly mother has been an important, although re- relatively obscure, part of the Latter Day Saint understanding of their pre-mortal origins and divine nature of mankind. And then it says, um, in this paper, we will only report historical portrayals of heavenly mothers' roles. Right? It is not our province to appraise this material. Um, this isn't quite the quote I'm looking for. But essentially what they say in, in this paper is that their goal is to survey what has actually been written uh, about Heavenly Mother and spoken about Heavenly Mother. And yes. To give kind of a broad overview and summary. Which is of volumes. It, right? And it is volumes. Um, can we start with the most important thing in my in my opinion? I'm curious to know what that is. Well, it's the idea of the sacred silence, which we alluded ah, to earlier. Yes, because it was the it's the whole reason why I was um, nervous about this topic to begin with. Yes. Um. This this almost taboo uh, nature of this I subject. think it is taboo for many members of the church yeah. even today. So here's what they say: because the saints are instructed to pray to the Father and. As President Hinckley pointed out, nothing has been authoritatively revealed about Heavenly Mother. Some Latter-day Saints have thought any mention of her is discouraged by the Church. Some within Mormon culture, who see discussion of our Heavenly Mother as inappropriate, believe that respecting her sacredness requires silence, as if to speak of her is to risk offending God. Right? Yes. And that is absolutely how I kind of felt about this subject right? And there's an account, they give several accounts of of people being told that we must never ever talk about her. Accounts like these have resulted in perceptions among the LDS community that Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Mother deserves or requires a sacred censorship. This is the first thing I ever remember hearing about Mother
1: in Heaven. Um, I suppose I must have heard about her in the first, prior to this, mm-hmm. in some way. But as a child... I remember someone saying this, that um, listen to how people take the Lord's name in vain. It's obvious why God doesn't want us talking about his wife. Right, and even as heard. a child, um, although I accepted this, mm-hmm. I also thought it was stupid. Because if you're looking for something offensive to say, the idea that, that someone could never in a million years think of swearing on a female deity's name if they just wanted to find something new and offensive. Like, that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when my cousin, who's um, like seven years older than me, took me to see Top Gun. I was way too young to see that movie. Still <laughs> scarred by the kissing. Um, <laughs> there were so many tongues in that movie. Um, but it's the first time I ever heard Jesus Christ uses a swear word. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that someone had made that up for the movie just to find a new offensive thing to say, because I had never heard it before. Right, from Idaho. Right. I'm from small town, Mormon, Idaho, um, and I really believed it was made up for the movie just to be offensive. And so the idea that it would never occur to someone mm-hmm. to be offensive in this way, I, I saw as preposterous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that I'm older, I, I, I'm, I still think it's stupid, but I'm, I also genuinely find this offensive, the idea that our mother in heaven is so fragile that she needs us little embryo
0: gods to take care of her. Well here let's finish the, finish the quote, yes, here. let's keep listening so here's what here's the part that I really liked and that really struck home to me, okay okay These claims and expressions have persuaded us to research what church leaders and others in church approved venues have actually taught about heavenly mother. Our investigation has led us to conclude that such claims that the church mandates silence or only gives simplistic portrayals of mother in heaven are mostly false. It's nothing like going to the data, said the scientist. (laughs) This is what I really liked. They go on to say that there are historical portrayals of Heavenly Mother as a procreator and parent, as a divine person, as a co-creator of worlds, as co-framer of the plan of salvation with the Father, and as a concerned and loving parent involved in our mortal mortal probation. Um, And this was astounding to me. Like, mm-hmm. it really was. Look, I've been in yes. the church a long time, and this is an attitude that I have carried with me my entire life, that Heavenly Mother is awesome, but let's keep it to ourselves, Yeah. <laughs> and let's not bring it up. But that's just false. Yes,
1: and I, I am speaking with a lot of bravado now, mm-hmm. but I came from the same place. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly when this changed. The other article I want to talk about um, was published about 10 years ago. And by that point, and that article pushed me out of my comfort zone, but at that point I was already past, like, okay, it's not a secret. We, should, we don't need to keep it so quiet. But I hadn't figured out what the right way to talk about Heavenly Mother was. Mm-hmm. And um, and what I've come, I've come to the conclusion that, like any other doctrine... That we find meaningful. There's nothing wrong with proclaiming it from the rooftops, really.
0: I never really thought that there was anything wrong with it. No,
1: no, no. I'm, I'm not. am That's not what. I, it's not what I'm trying
0: to say. Mm-hmm. It's just there's something wrong with talking about it. And people should understand that this subject, the um, that words are hard, and we I don't know how we're going to communicate our. We will real get it wrong, and we will offend people. And <laughs> yeah. and I really we talked about this in the past
1: in a past episode, but. Um, I do believe that there's something valuable in being offended. Mm -hmm. I think when we're offended, it's an opportunity to consider whether the way we're feeling is, is correct. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is possible to cross a line where it is really wrong. And sometimes like, well, maybe why, why am I offended by this? Maybe this is something that, you know, for instance, talking about Heavenly Mother, I've come to the conclusion we should talk about her. And I think it's, borderline sinful that we don't talk about her more mm-hmm. um that said i know not everyone's in the same place i'm standing and i i hope that i won't be offended if somebody else is offended by my lack of feeling
0: offended i <laughs> <laughs> was convoluted but i'll, I'll grant yes. it to you <laughs> so so are you familiar with the um television show adam ruins everything have you heard of this before? I've
1: heard of it before, yes. I've yeah. never seen it. Is
0: it still... I thought it was a YouTube channel. It was a YouTube channel originally, and then turned okay. into a television show. And when we first started this podcast, one of the tweets that we got originally was a question asking if we were going to do an Adam Ruins Everything-style podcast. Ah, okay. how so, interesting. So, in the... I know just enough about the show to be really intrigued by that reading of the show. Yeah, so... Go ahead. They, in the show, they debunk factoids, you know, like... Uh, jaywalking is a great example, uh-huh. right? Jay, you know, we tell people, "Oh, that guy's jaywalking." What is he doing? Well, it turns mm-hmm. out, jay, jaywalking was like came. There was a is a made up term from the 20s when car manufacturers were trying to get people to be afraid of the streets uh-huh, that, so that they could open them up in the cities. And I the wish I is, were more surprised by that. And the ter- the term is actually a horrible racial slur of some kind. Oh, and <laughs> they just adopted it, saying that guy's a jay. <laughs> yeah, Which if I had wow. said that like, I... eighty years ago, apparently I'd be in a lot of trouble.
1: Well, you would be in a lot of trouble now, probably more trouble. But very few people would know what you're saying. <laughs> I think there there are people who collect racial slurs, and I happen to have heard that one before. Okay, well I yeah, apologize. It's legit. Yeah. yeah, I
0: apologize. I don't know what it means, and maybe I don't want to know. Yeah, you're, yeah. Just, there's no reason to know. But Blue the, jays my, are wonderful and intelligent birds. The point yeah. is that there are these things that we believe that are true. And that we've accepted as true. Yes. Right? That the streets are the, per, are the domain of cars instead of the domain of people. Right. And that we should not talk about Heavenly Mother. That are just not true. This is the, I, a and point. my response to this tweet that we're going to be an Adam Ruins Everything-style podcast about the church is that's not, that's not what we're going for. We're, we actually want to celebrate the things that are true about the church. But in this particular case, yes. I actually feel like this is a debunking. Like, I, I agree with that, yeah. This whole notion of sacred silence, throw it
1: out. Yeah, it's bad. And if we are ruining your bad opinion, then I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there's so much joy to be found in this doctrine. Why wouldn't we drink deeply?
0: Mm-hmm. This is exactly, yes, yes, that's a very good way to put it. We, um, It's one of the most int- awesome portrayals of reality. Uh, we have a female god. It just is so satisfying. Um, of course we do. Right. <laughs> so what do we what do, so what do we do with that information? Well. Well, actually, before we go there, yes. let's talk about the other side of the coin—the people that, as you were as you were mentioning, that do feel like maybe we should, maybe that we're that we're wrong.
1: Yeah, I'm fine being wrong. Like, I've accepted that I will be wrong about many things, and I hope that I'm a good enough person to recognize when I'm wrong and to change.
0: I'm trying to segue into that other article that you... Right, and... uh, Good, thank you for that. Um, (laughs) Why do we... Are we wrong about wanting to be more open about Heavenly Mother? Or is it better to worship in silence?
1: Oh, right. So, I think that, as I was saying, I'm fine being wrong with things. I'm Mm -hmm. open being wrong with things. But I think it's important to have a bias when making a mistake, to make a mistake that is kind rather than a mistake that hurts people. And um, speaking of poetry, as we were, Eliza Snow's poem, which wasn't even the first one, by the way, not the first poem that mentions Heavenly Mother written by a Latter-day Saint poet. Uh, But if we look at the poetry of Heavenly Mother and um, pitch, book I published, Dove Song, published by Peculiar Pages, My Little Imprint, is getting a... Special award from the Association for Mormon Letters later this month. We'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast. But, yeah. Um, and it covers Heavenly Mother poetry from pre-Eliza R. Snow to a couple years ago. And one thing you'll notice, there's this really interesting trend where people are excited about the doctrine. And then it almost completely disappears. People don't talk about her for mm-hmm. 40, 50 years And then people start talking about her in the late 60s and 70s, and those first poems, when people start writing about her again, are really painful poems. They're poems about living in a motherless house and how hard that is. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to the more modern poems, there are a few angry people left, but there's a lot of celebration is back again. And what did that silence do to people? It left them without a mother. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to imagine a Latter-day Saint version of Christianity where taking away someone's mother no matter how well-intentioned you are, is the right thing
0: to do. And you think the cause was, again, this wanting to be um, just more mainstream Christian.
1: I really believe that a lot of the things that, are, um, that have changed in the last hundred years in our faith mm-hmm. um, that aren't doctrinal, non-doctrinal mm-hmm. changes, cultural changes, I think a lot of them were trying to fit in. And that's why I
0: think it's so great that church is international well and th- now is yeah i was maybe gonna can look past that and of course you can take one step for the back why did we want to do this well we had reasons right they were trying to
1: kill us yeah <laughs> i i am empathetic to the people who felt like they wanted to fit in like i get it mm-hmm. um but you know
0: we had an extermination order
1: right you can't just you know wink at that and chuckle every
0: now and then the U.S. Think, Army was sent to Utah yeah. to shut us down they took away all our stuff the extermination order is what really gets me like have you ever read a copy of it I have yeah it's terrifying yeah, you are like rough. whatever the word is you are hereby authorized to kill Mormons on site. right governor governor of of um Governor Bob's Go, Governor Bob's but I
1: do think I do think the question's an important one The this question of like okay we shut her out and now we're trying to open our hearts and let her back in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do we do that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And one answer is poetry. I, I, you only have to look at the Old Testament to see that poetry is where a lot of exploration of religious idea happens. I think the wisdom books are excellent at this. Um, in fact, we should talk more about the wisdom books in a minute because, because of Lady Wisdom and Proverbs, mm-hmm. who may well be an erased mother in heaven, but we'll get there in a second. But um, I do think that poetry is, is a clear way for us to explore these ideas artfully and through a religious-like setting that isn't doctrinal. It's not telling people what the truth is. It's an exploration of the truth. But how else, how else can we explore this idea? Well, that gets me to the article in Dialogue I mentioned earlier. It's by Kevin Barney, the title is, How to Worship Our Mother in Heaven, in parentheses, Without Getting Excommunicated.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: um, the title's a bit jokey. It comes out in 2008, which is long enough ago that the explosion of writing about Heavenly Mother hasn't really happened yet. This is three years before the BYU Studies article. Uh, but it's also to a point where people who are looking closely at the question don't understand why we've been quiet about it and and are asking, how can we do more? Um, to me, I, I haven't read this article in 10 years until this week. You want to jump in and say something, Aaron?
0: I was going to say that the, why, why why do we actually not talk about her? One of the reasons we don't talk about her is we just don't know a lot about her, right? It's, I mean, you can't you discount run, You discount run into that. the speculative immediately. You, don't, you can't discount that, right? We know that there's a Heavenly Mother, but we essentially know nothing about her. Right, beyond what's obvious. Yeah, and the, that's not entirely true because the apostles, the, the point of the B I U studies article has said that we know that she is a godly person and there's all kinds of actual st- quotes and statements about, there are. about her character and about the things that she's done, right? Right. But, but you know, we don't know her name. Or do we? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so the
1: Kevin Barney article gets to um, ancient scripture about Heavenly Mother. And for those who um, and. Thankfully, thank you, 8th Article of Faith, this does not involve any Latter-day Saints, but those who believe the Bible is inerrant and um, went through all the curious iterations it went through to come to the present day in order to be the, exactly the way God wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. If, if you have that opinion that the Word of God is inerrant and the KJV letter by letter is the Word of God, mm-hmm. this becomes a very difficult topic. Uh, but long time ago, far, far away... There were people that some scholars call the Deuteronomists, sometimes they're called like the, the um, Judean Reformists, I think is a the name. There's a number of names for them. And what they tried to do is they tried to take all these disparate Hebrew scriptures and turn them into the core of what would later become the Bible. And one of the things this group of people decided was that there was one God. One God. And that hadn't always been true in Hebrew scripture. For instance, there had been, God had had a wife. Um, and uh, scholars, breaking this down, believe that her name was Asherah. And if you think that sounds a lot like an idol in the Old Testament, you're not wrong. The, uh, these reformers, in the process of erasing her, sometimes they changed her name to something else. Sometimes um, they turned her into an idol. They did a number of things to her. And really, all you can really see in the Bible today is her shadows and her echoes. You can't see her directly. But there are some really great hints. Did you read this article? I read parts of it. One of the the great parts of this article that I find really moving um, is in reference to the Tree of Life, Lehi's vision of the Tree of Life. Um, The symbol of Asherah was the sacred tree. The tree was her symbol. And when Nephi asks the angel to explain the Tree of Life, what does the Tree of Life stand for? Uh, the Angel shows him Mary and the baby Jesus and asks him, "Okay, so what is the tree and he's like oh it's the love of god that doesn 't make any sense to a modern like how does how does seeing Mary explain the tree? but if you know that the tree is a symbol of heavenly Mother, and uh it the leap is a little less great mm-hmm. and um and how do we know that?" Well, we don't. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense. Ancient Hebrews, from what we can tell, believed that the tree was a symbol of the divine feminine. Mm-hmm. And Nephi is an ancient Hebrew. And he comes later enough that he probably... He's post-reform, If if I have my math right. Let me think. Yes, he's post-reform. So he would probably... I mean, we're, we're we're speculating here. It's not like there's so many documents from the time that we can really triangulate what people thought. Uh, but Nephi would have at least known that the tree was a symbol of the divine feminine, even if he didn't believe in a heavenly mother, which we don't know if Nephi believed that or not. We can't know that. Um, but he would see that this idea of the divine feminine and the Messiah coming, that these ideas are connected somehow, that a mother is sending her son, and that the tree and Mary are correlates in some way.
0: Hmm. I'm not sure I'm buying it. You're, you don't buy that. Well, I'm not... I just need a bit more evidence.
1: Well, um, I think the primary evidence is that the tree is clearly a symbol of the goddess. Mm-hmm. Uh that is, that is very clear from ancient Hebrew scripture. Keep in mind, I'm not an expert. I'm basing this on what other experts say. Mm-hmm. And if the tree is a, divine, is a symbol of Heavenly Mother, then that opens up a lot of new ways of reading Scripture. Like, it gives us a new way to see the cross, for instance. Hmm. Um, what if the cross, he was hung upon a tree, what if we see that in some way as his mother holding him? Mm-hmm. That's that's a rich possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not telling you to accept that. I'm not saying that's the truth, necessarily. But it's, it's a rich idea to consider. So you're telling
0: me that there is biblical... Sorry, not biblical hebrew related evidence that this tree represents a goddess yes okay
1: yes and um there are other places where we see her like i mentioned proverbs earlier Mm -hmm. um wisdom is a female character in proverbs Mm -hmm. and the general interpretation of that nowadays is it's all metaphorical right but wisdom was there at the creation of the earth what if things have been shuffled a little bit to hide her identity, but what if wisdom is our heavenly mother? What if the book of Proverbs talks about her in some depth? That's an interesting possibility, and it opens the doors more to like, maybe we know more about her than we realize. Mm -hmm. We only believe the Bible to be true in as much as it's translated directly. And I agree with Kevin Barney in his article, he says he doesn't like to believe that there are evil manipulations in the Bible, that's just like, it's humans passing something on over time. But it does seem pretty clear that the divine feminine was deliberately removed from the Bible, hmm. and so I, I I kind of feel it's almost our obligation to look at those shadows and not reach conclusions. We're not prophets, mm-hmm. but to look at those shadows and try to figure out the shape
0: of her. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's that's an interesting avenue of research.
1: It is, and this is this is research, right? This yeah. I'm not talking about prophets right now. I'm talking about scholars and anthropologists and linguists and people like that, and um, I'm not. Interest in telling people what to believe, and I know that this will be over
0: the line for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I see in your face; it might be over the line for you. No, no, I'm, but... I'm with you. I just, uh, I haven't read the documentation, right? And so, sure. for for me, I'm skeptical, but only because I haven't seen it myself. Um, I could Speaking. totally, I could totally buy it. Yes. Okay. Um, but I want to look. Maybe I want to look a bit deeper. The thing that I wanted to talk about this article, though, is that the bridge between. People who want to talk about Heavenly Mother and people who think that we shouldn't because it's too sacred, okay? Yes. And this there's a quote in here. Um, my this is from again from the Kevin Barney article. He says, "My perception is that people tend to see this matter in one of two very different ways. Those who are more liberal-minded and open to feminist thought." see the concept of Mother in Heaven as a wonderful revealed doctrine of the prophet Joseph Smith and are very frustrated that we do not actually do anything with the knowledge. Those who are more traditional and conservative, certainly the majority, may sympathize with that frustration, but they are also of the view that we simply do not know anything about her beyond the mere fact of her existence. People in this camp, therefore, tend to see those who strive to make the doctrine meaningful in church life as (laughs) engaging in New Age um, synchronism, syncretism it's it's a word i've never seen outside this article in a misguided effort to fill the lacuna as a moderate i can see and empathize with both perspectives right yes and so he says is there any uh, quote um to borrow rhetorical question posed by b.h roberts in the context of his book of mormon studies is there any way to escape these difficulties i believe there is what i wish to propose is a middle moderate path a compromise of sorts the scripturally based knowledge that I believe we can glean about our mother in heaven will surely be less than liberals might hope for, but it'll be also be more than nothing, which is a historic state of affairs. And then he goes on to talk about scholarship, and I believe about these, some of the uh, stuff I mentioned about these studies that you've mentioned. Yes, so I I think that's probably the best way for us to proceed. Um, recognize that this topic is awesome, but people um, need to be brought out of this. Culture of, of, um, of, of not secrecy. Again, nothing that we're talking about is secret. No, it's just people don't want to talk about it, about it. Yeah, and whenever somebody
1: feels that way, it begins to feel secret. Mm-hmm. If you have your kids are too old and of the wrong personality to try this experiment, but I bet if you had younger children and you made it inappropriate to talk about carrots, you could do it. You can make kids really uncomfortable talking about carrots, and they have to find ways to talk around the carrots because you're not allowed to actually mention carrots when you're at the dinner table. Um, anything you don't talk about develops this kind of aura, whether you want it to or not.
0: So I'm really excited by this. Um, I think that um, it is worth at least mentioning mentioning her. We, but we still pray to our Heavenly Father. That's not a doctrine that's changed.
1: No, that's, that is that um, is one that the prophets of the current time seem very, very set on. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question. I see a parallel here. I'm curious what quality you find in this parallel. You will recall that the golden plates included a sealed section. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a source for this, but it's often spoken of as when we're ready... When we've really appreciated what we already have, then we can have the sealed section. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that before? I've heard that before. Yeah, and um, I believe there's a basis for that, but I'm, I'm, I actually don't know. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe a topic for another mm-hmm. Adam Ruins Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but if that's the case, my dad often wishes like, oh, I wish we could get the rest of the sealed portion. I really want to read it. And then two sentences later, he'll say, uh, but have I really read the Book of Mormon enough to deserve it? Mm-hmm. Is it something that I have earned? And like, I don't know, maybe not. Um, And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with Heavenly Mother. Like, I think it is a righteous desire to want to have prophetic revelation on her. But how seriously have we really explored what's already available, even if it's a little hidden and obscured? And if we don't talk about it, we're burying our Heavenly Mother stamped talent, right? Like, why would we get more if we're just burying what we have?
0: Um, okay, Okay. do you have anything else?
1: <laughs> um, yes, I would like to pitch okay. the Association for Mormon Letters conference. Mm-hmm. There are many... So, those of you who are unaware of the Association for Mormon Letters, they were founded in 1976 with the goal of studying, giving serious critical study, and promoting writing by, for, or about... Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. So it could be by us, it could be about us, or it could be for us, or any combination of this. And so um, the this year's conference is being held in Berkeley, March 29th through 31st. It's the first time it's been held in Berkeley, first time it's been in California since 1984. And related to our conversation, if you're going to be in Berkeley, you should definitely come. Um, Thursday night, sorry, there's no such thing as Thursday night. Friday night, we're having a panel celebrating Carol Lynn Pearson, an important Mormon poet uh, who started publishing in the 1960s. You've undoubtedly seen some BYU films. Did you see Cypher in the Snow? Uh, it sounds familiar. Very sad. She wrote that. Um, sold a lot of books. Uh, has written extensively about Heavenly Mother as a poet and as a playwright. She did a one-woman show called Mother Wolf of the Morning, which she toured all around the country. Um, she's the one who wrote the Motherless House poem I mentioned earlier, and she's you could argue the beginning of this explosion that we've had in Mother in Heaven consideration in the last 40 years, um, especially in the last 10, 15 years, especially then. And I would say, especially in the last couple of years. In the last couple of years, I, I personally know of dozens and dozens of poems, some published, most unpublished. People are very interested in this topic and they're exploring it. Um, the book Dove Song, which I mentioned earlier, is receiving a special award. And um, Rachel Hunt Steenblik, who wrote um, the book *Mother's Milk*, which is about Heavenly Mother, and has a second collection that will be coming out later this year, uh, she is hosting the panel on for Carol, su- celebrating Carolyn Pearson's Lifetime Achievement Award, and she's also hosting a sort of dove song adjacent panel in which poets will be reading their poetry about. Heavenly Mother, and reading some of these historical ones we've been talking about, too. Um, that's not the whole thrust of the conference. There's many other themes. We'll be talking about Mormon's connection to musical theater. We'll be talking about the Book of Mormon, t- treating it seriously as a work of literature. Uh, Melissa Leilani Larson's film, Jane and Emma, will be filmed at the at the conference. Um, there will be many, many excellent uh, Panels and presentations, papers given from scholars from all over the world. We have people coming from as far away as, as Europe to present papers. And um,
0: On th- Thursday, Friday, Saturday? This
1: Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday night we're doing a joint session with Bay Area Mormon Studies Council. Uh, and that's when Jane and Emma will be shown and Melissa will be giving a, uh, a uh, Q&A afterwards. So we're gonna have a link to the schedule. We will have a link to the schedule in the notes. And I highly encourage everybody to at least check out the program because it's awesome. Even if you can't come, at least look so you feel bad about not coming.
0: Is there a particular poem that you want to want to link or even maybe share? That is a fine question. Um, I should I
1: should find Motherless House and share that, and I should sh- I should share one of Rachel's, and um, and I'll, I'll also share a link to Dove Song. But I think. I think the most important thing to know is that there is a real outpouring of feeling among the saints. And for those who have really embraced the sacred silence, um, I encourage you to open your ears because a lot is being said. And I'm not, I don't want to confuse it with doctrine. I know it's not doctrine, but... Without our cries for more knowledge, there will never be more knowledge. And this is what art is for. This is what poets do. This is what painters do. John Haven wasn't the last person to paint Heavenly Mother. There are another, a a large number of Heavenly Mother paintings out there. Um, We can explore as Latter-day Saints this question without crossing lines, without blaspheming, without um, being unkind to our Heavenly Parents. Uh, I don't doubt for a moment that our Heavenly Mother reaches out to us and we are right to reach out to her. Otherwise, I mean, the thought makes reason stare.